Obviously, for a variety of reasons, last year is one of those years you want to forget. So how can you make the year 2011 just a little bit different? We have seven keys to a successful 2011. We'll look at them together next on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. From Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, this is Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. Welcome to the broadcast. You were with us last week. You'll remember we began a message simply entitled, Seven Keys for a Glorious 2011. And today, we're continuing that theme. We've got a variety of passages we're looking at. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 uh, tends to be one of them, as well as 1 John chapter 1, John 15, Psalm 50. As you can see, we have a lot of verses to cover, so uh, moisten that index finger, open up your Bible, and join us for a journey into the seven keys for a glorious 2011. Here now, once again, is Pastor Steve Converse with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Secondly, the second key to having a glorious new year in 2011 is bearing fruit. Look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Look at verse 8. Jesus is speaking to his disciples here and he says, my father is glorified by this. You want to know how to glorify God? Well, here's a good indicator. Don't you just love how the word of God is so simple? It's so basic. It doesn't give us a code where you have to go work this formula out and then maybe you'll figure out how to glorify God. No, he says, if you want to glorify God, my father is glorified by this, that you what? What's it say? That you bear much fruit, that you bear much fruit. Why? Why is the Father glorified when we bear fruit? Why would that glorify Him? It's very simple. Because the world can see the results of a Spirit-filled, fruit-bearing life in you when that happens. That's why we're here. That's why God left us here, to put His glory on display to a lost and dying world. Look over at Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. Paul writes there, he says, Walk in a manner worthy. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. Are you walking in a, a worthy manner before the Lord? Are you fully pleasing Him? It doesn't say half. It doesn't say three quarters. It says, are you given 100% to please the Lord? And then it says this, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the righteousness, the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. See, when we bear fruit in our lives, well, what do you mean by that? Good works. Works, you, you can look at your life and you can see God working to some degree in your life, and other people can see that. When we live a life of good works, when we see God working, the world sees it and doesn't glorify us, it glorifies God. And when they do glorify us, we should deflect that and say, no, 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 it's not me, it's God. Is your life bearing fruit? It should be. Last year, I had gave you the opportunity to fill out a card on some goals. I think I said, list three things that you want to do 
in 2010 in your spiritual life. And I'm going to do the same thing next Sunday. So this is a heads up. Be praying about this. Be thinking about this. And what those folks did is they filled out the card, three things, and put it in an envelope, sealed it, and they put their address on it. And a couple days ago, I mailed it back to them. I didn't look at it. That's between them and God. But I wonder how some of them did. Hopefully, when they opened the envelope, they said, wow, this is great. Look, here's what I planned to do. Here's what I wanted to do. And I did more. God did more in my life. Or it could have been, you know what? Wow, I missed every one. But you know what? That's that's where God's grace is. We're in a new year. Every day is a new day in Christ. Don't get discouraged. Don't get frustrated. Be thinking and praying about, God, what do you want to do in my life in 2011? What kind of fruit do you want to produce through me? Maybe those co-workers that don't know you. Maybe, maybe I need to be a little more aggressive with the gospel with them. Be a little more honest with where I'm coming at with my beliefs. Be a little more straightforward with the gospel. Maybe I need to reach out a little more. Maybe I need to spend a little more time in the word. Maybe I need to, you know, I mean, this is a great time to begin the challenge of reading through the word of God in a year. A lot of you do that. But we need to remember that we not only confess our sin, but God is also looking for fruit. He wants to see evidence that he's working in your life. If there's no evidence there, there may not be any light. Third thing, give praise to God. Give praise to God. Psalm fifty twenty three says, He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. See, when we praise God, that honors him. That glorifies him. One way to praise God is to give him credit for everything. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 26 to 31, you can read that on your own, but when Joab won the victory against Rabah, he got a possession of the enemy's crown. And what did he do? He sent for David so he could present the crown to him. He didn't hold on to the crown, put it on his own nightstand and say, hey, look at the reward I got. See, that's a a good illustration of how the Christian should act toward the master. When God blesses us with something and we win a victory in our life, we don't wear the crown. What are we going to do when we go to heaven? And what are we going to do with the crowns that we receive? What does the Bible say? We're going to cast them at his feet. We're not going to put them on our head and parade around and say, hey, look at my crown. I got a bigger one than you. That's not what we're going to do. That's not what heaven's about. We're going to give praise to God. You give it back to the Lord who has won the victory for you. See, some of you may be going through some very, very difficult times right now. And you're saying, you know what? You don't understand where I'm at. It's hard for me to praise God right now. I I totally understand what you're saying. But it goes back to this verse. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. It's not about your feelings. It's not about what you want to do or what you feel like doing. It's about what God tells us to do. It's an act and step of faith. Give praise to God. And you'll see your circumstances change. Not only that, but be content. Be content. Learn to be content. This is something we have to learn as a people because we just aren't. The American person, almost to a one, is not content. We're just the the opposite. We're discontent. We're discontent about our circumstances. We're discontent about ourselves. Wow, I shouldn't have this much weight, or I should look like this, or I should have this, or I should be this, or whatever. I wish I was that personality, or I wish I could do that, or be like that person. I mean, we're so discontent as a people. Sometimes, you know, I just step back and say, you know what, God, you made me this way. This is who you made, warts and all. This is how God made us. And by his grace, I'm asking you to use us somehow. He made us. He knows us best. He promises to supply all of our needs. See, and when we're content, we acknowledge God's sovereignty in our lives. And that gives him glory. I remember when I was early in ministry at First Baptist Church and just in youth ministry. And that's basically what I did just day in, day out, 24-7. Just youth ministry, youth ministry, youth ministry. Wasn't really dating. Didn't do anything. The pastor was always trying to fix me up with somebody. And, you know, I just, it wasn't, I wasn't interested. But it just, it wasn't my focus. 
And I'll never forget the day God blessed me with my wife. I wasn't looking for a wife. Matter of fact, I was claiming to be Paul and I'll be single until I die and all this stuff, you know. But God knew better. He always knows better. But what I'm saying is I was content where I was at. And that is key. Especially when you're in ministry and you're a single guy and you're, you're working with youth and people are trying to marry you off every other week. If you're not content, you're either going to make a big mistake and marry somebody God doesn't have for you, or you're just going to be miserable. And I'd always just smile and say, oh, yeah. Well, don't you think there's a nice girl? Yeah, she's a nice girl, but, you know, we'll see. It's up to God. And I was kind of shy, so I didn't really date or anything. But you know what? God had it all under control because God is sovereign. See, if we're discontented, it's the same thing as questioning God's wisdom. When you're discontented in your life about something, it's really like poking your finger in God's face and saying, you know what? You got this wrong, pal. I don't agree with what you're doing. That doesn't glorify him. That doesn't lift up God. That doesn't exalt Christ. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul said this. And trust me, he knew from experience because he was in all sorts of circumstances. Philippians 4, 11, Paul says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be what? Content. To be content. content. Notice I'm saying content, not complacent. Big difference. Content is looking at your situation and saying, you know what? I may not understand this. This may not feel comfortable, but you know what? God is sovereign, and this is where he has me right now. Paul was confident that God would use all those things in his life, whether it's poverty or abundance, whether it's comfort or pain, and he would use it for Paul's good and for God's glory. That's what he says in Romans 8, 28, the verse that's so often quoted by, by folks. Whatever it is, you know that all things work together for good to those that love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say just good things. It says whatever. Paul didn't say, you know what? I'm going to give God glory in spite of my pain. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it. No, he didn't say that. He said, I will give God glory because of my pain. I will give God glory because of my poverty. I will give God glory, whatever, fill in the blank. See, a Christian who is discontented for any reason, whether it's a job, a spouse, a lack of a spouse, finances, they're really a horrible testimony about the goodness of God. I mean, what kind of God do we have? Is he really sovereign? Can he really be trusted? The lost and dying world is looking at us day in and day out, watching our lives, watching our attitudes, watching how we deal with adversity in our lives. And glorifying God means that we praise him and we have to praise him with absolute contentment knowing that our lot is God's plan for us now. If you can get that, you're, you're well into having a good 2011. No matter what may come your way, if you just choose, you know what, I'm going to be content, I'm going to praise God. Because I know God will not allow something into my life just because he's mean, just because he's nasty, just because he wants me to suffer. No, he wouldn't do that. He would allow maybe a hard thing into my life because he knows that i got to work through it. He's trying to mold me and make me into the image of his son day in and day out. Last time you looked at a potter working on a, on a potter's wheel, I, I don't see him going like this, you know, oh, I just touched the clay a little bit. I don't want to break it. No, you see him. He's wrapped around his body. He's a mess, and he's moving this clay back and forth. And I don't know about you, but if I was the clay, I'd be hurting. Some of you have got some uh, resolutions as far as exercise go. I can tell just by the way some of you walked in here today. You know, <laughs> little steps. Got some new resolutions for the gym. That's fine. That's good. We need to take care of our bodies. But that's what God is trying to do each and every day. Mold us and make us into his image. Another thing is pray according to his will. Pray according to God's will. John 14, 13 says, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
that directly relates to his glory. When we ask something in his name, what does that mean? Does that mean just tagging on, you know, uh, in Jesus' name at the end of a prayer? That's not what that means. In Jesus' name at the end of a prayer is not some magical formula that if you leave it out, God won't answer your prayer. That's not what that means. Whatever you ask in my name, what that means is whatever you ask that represents my desires, not yours. Whatever you ask that honors me, that glorifies me, that will I do. So you can pray for your brand new pink Cadillac all you want. But if that's not what God wants for you to glorify him, you're not going to get it. At least not from God. So whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. How much time do we spend praying for things according to God's will and not our will? When's the last time you looked at a list of people, their names on a page, who are without Christ, don't know Christ? How often do you pray for them? You don't think it's God's will that they be saved? The Bible says that he desires that none perish. That's one step of it. Praying according to God's will. When's the last time you prayed that God would bless our church? That we would see people come to Christ. See, Jesus' name signifies all that he is and all that he would want. And when we pray in his name, it means praying in accordance with his character and with his will. That's simply what it means. And the neat thing is, is God delights to reveal his glory in answered prayer. When you're praying for something that you know your back's up against the wall, and man, you're praying, God, please answer this. And you know what he does? Who gets the glory? He does. Maybe you look at your own life. Maybe you're looking at your, your relationship with your spouse. Maybe you're looking at your relationship with your kids. And you're saying, man, I need help. Start praying according to God's will. And acting upon it. That's why he commands us to pray. So he can show us his greatness. And we can give him the praise he's worthy to receive. We don't pray just to change things. That's our mentality. That's not God's. A lot of times prayer has just the opposite effect. We go to God and, 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 and we're asking him to do all these things. A lot of times prayer is for our benefit, is, is for the benefit of making us more into the image of his son. We need to be praying according to his will. Also proclaiming God's word. Proclaiming God's word. Paul wrote this in 2 Thessalonians 3.1. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1. He, he wrote this, Brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you. That's a great prayer. That's a prayer that God takes delight in. Would you pray for that? Pray that, you know what, the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it also did with you. How is the word glorified? Through those believers. 
Because they heard it, they believed it, their lives were transformed, they trusted Christ, they were born again. Who gets the glory for that? God. God's the only one that can save us. And when we come along and we present the word clearly and accurately and succinctly, that always gives him glory. Don't ever shy away from giving people the word of God. Sometimes we, it feels awkward to quote a verse to somebody. But that's where the power is. I mean, it's great to show your testimony and everything, but include scripture. Include the word of God. It has the power for the salvation of the soul. Every time our Sunday school teachers teach a class of kids, whether it's one kid, whether it's two kids, whether it's eight kids, every time that Bible study leader opens the word in someone's living room, Every time a father sits down with his children or his family and starts to read the word, God is glorified in that. And I know, beloved, that sometimes that stuff gets on the back burner because life is busy and hectic. But we need to be refocused on what is going to glorify God in 2011. We honor him by making his word known and understood. And we can't do that unless we first know it and understand it. That's why we think it's important that people be plugged into small groups, whether it's a women's Bible study, whether it's one of the groups on Wednesday or Friday night. Why? Because you build community with people that are concerned about growing in Christ. They want to grow more like their Savior. You do that through the teaching of the Word, through the receiving of the Word. Last thing is lead others to Christ. Lead others to Christ. Do you know that God gets glorified when people are redeemed? When people are saved? I mean, think about it. When you came to Christ, I mean, the angels had a party in heaven, right? I mean, that's important to understand. He's glorified when Satan's prison is broken. And the men and women are released from the burden of their sins. People are saved from their sins in order to give God glory, not just because they won't go to hell. Remember, I started this off saying the chief end is to give God glory in everything we do. So the more people who get converted, the more thanksgiving is going on and the more Thanksgiving that's going on, the more praise that's going on, the more God is glorified, the more God is honored. Those are just seven things that hopefully you can look at and pray about and say, okay, where am I at with these seven? How do they fit into my life? When we live to glorify God, beloved, he responds by giving us overwhelming Joy, in spite of our circumstances. That's the good thing. And you might be sitting there this morning saying, you know what, you don't understand what I'm going through right now. I got, you know, I just don't have any joy and it's just hectic, hectic, hectic. You know what, here's my answer. Start glorifying God. Start looking to God and saying, you know what, God, this is not a, a fun place to be in, but you know what, help me glorify you through this. Joy doesn't necessarily always 
make sorrow, discouragement, pain, and failure go away. A lot of times, I've found myself right in the midst of discouragement or pain or failure, but I still have the joy of the Lord in my heart. Christians can experience a supernatural joy even in the midst of those things. And the one thing that will steal your joy more than anything else is sin. And when our joy begins to fade, it's a sure sign of sin or unbelief in someone's life. Well, what can you do? Simply get down on your knees, confess the sin that's in your life. Pray like David prayed in Psalm 51, 12. Restore to me, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And then you yield to the Spirit again and the joy returns. Jesus desires that joy remain in us. His joy that we know in part now and one day it will be perfected in heaven. One verse I'll leave you with before our communion time is 1 Thessalonians 4.17. 1 Thessalonians 4.17. Paul simply writes this. We shall always be with the Lord. <laughs> if you can't get joy out of that verse, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. It doesn't matter what's... If you have a connection with God through Christ, He's always going to be there with you. Nothing is going to break that bond. We shall always be with the Lord. I pray that as you embark on your new year, 2011, and you pray about what to put on that card next Sunday, and I'll mail it to you at the end of 2011, and you can look at it and figure out how you did, how you and God did. Um, it doesn't have to be some high lofty goal. It's just good to stop and think, okay, you know what, God, what do, you, what do, what do I want you to do in my life this next year? And you'd be surprised how God would be glorified in the end. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we pray that as we prepare our hearts for our communion time, that you would minister your grace to us once again. Lord, we thank you for this table that's before us. We thank you for the elements, the, the cracker and the juice, and what it represents, the broken body of our Lord and Savior, and the blood that has been shed for the forgiveness of sin. And Lord, we pray this morning that if there's any here who have yet to put their faith or trust in you, Lord, I pray that you would break down the barriers that holds them. And Lord, that you would open their heart to the good news of the gospel. Father, I pray that only you can do that work. Nobody can do that for them. I pray that they would cry out to you in uh, humility and, and ask you for forgiveness to make them the kind of person that you desired them, that you created them to be, one that has fellowship with you and with your people. And for us Christians, Lord, we pray that you would um, remind us that this is another year, and Lord, we don't know what this year will hold. There may be some here, sitting here right now, who may not be here next year. We don't know. There may be there will be new, new life in this church, babies being born with their own personalities and, 
And Lord, we just we, we thank you that you're a God who works in our midst, whether we're big or small. You're at work. And Lord, help us to keep focused on what's pleasing to you, what's honoring to you, and would give you honor and glory. Pray now you prepare our hearts for our communion time together. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal his grace to your hearts through the teaching of his word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. Or give us a call at 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650 650- 366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth. Graceful Truth.